Uh, John chapter 5, verse 2. I believe that this is going to be the most incredible year that we have ever had in a long time. Now, I'm not going to tell you yet you're going to be free from trouble and chaos. Because the number 22 actually stands for chaos, I believe. And there's going to be chaos, but for the people of God, I believe we're going to walk in a place of victory and a place of peace. I want you to follow along in a story. I believe this could possibly be, I believe one of the greatest, I'm going to say it like this. I don't want to say greatest message because that puts it on me. That's not what I'm saying. But I believe it could be a life-changing message if you will hear what the Lord is saying. I spoke to the church Wednesday night that we've got to move from this place. That, oh, pastor, that was a good message. I love it when you tell me that. You pat me on the back and you tell me how wonderful I am. I need that all the time. And I do. Every preacher loves hearing that. But if that's all it was, was a good message that I rattled you for just a moment, then I really failed at what I was supposed to do. But if I can bring something to you through the Word of the Lord, and I believe God has spoke to me, spoke this to me several weeks ago, I, I believe it could transform your life. Matter of fact, the greatest compliment I think that we as ministers of the Gospel can get is not when you pat us on the back right now, but I remember and I love it when I see people that I didn't even realize I had imparted into or people I ministered to years ago will come up to me. They'll see me, Pastor, I just want you to know I wouldn't have made it. I wouldn't have gotten this far had it not been for the Lord using you to speak to us the way that you did. I think those are the greatest compliments that we can get. And not, Pastor, would you agree? It's not just being rattled at the moment, but it's being touched for eternity. Oh, by the way, I'm so glad that Pastor Val and Miss Sherry is here. And many of you know that Miss Sherry is going through some treatment. And we're going to ask you, if all of you, I know you love them. And I know you want to come up and embrace them. But if you could refrain from giving her a hug at all, that would be greatly appreciated. All right? So just love her from a distance. Smile at her real pretty. That, that, would, that would be great. Now, I know that would help her. Here we go. John chapter 5, verse 2. Follow with me. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. And in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatsoever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said unto him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred. But while I am coming, another one steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well. And took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. And the Jews therefore said to him who was cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. And he answered them, He who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. Father, I give you praise. I give you thanks for your goodness, your grace, your mercy. I thank you this morning for revelation knowledge. I thank you for an unction, Lord, to speak, to speak God as your voice. I pray that every ear is attentive right now in the name of Jesus. God, in every heart, ready to receive what you are saying in this moment. In Jesus' name. Amen. I've asked her for just a few moments. It helps me, believe it or not. It does something in the atmosphere. Is why I brought her here just to play softly. I may not keep her there long, but I just felt like I needed it. I want to ask you a question that Jesus asked this man. I want you to see this picture again. 
It was a place called Bethesda where the porches were and they'd bring all the sick, the lame, the blind, as the Word said, and would lay them upon the porches and they were waiting for this time of season, for this moment of time, for heaven to come to earth, for something to be transforming that would literally change their world. And year after year, I... I don't know, maybe some of my scholars would know. This was not, I believe, a one-time event that just happened once. But evidently, it was something that possibly could have happened every year around one of the feasts. But they would come with the intent that my life will change. That I will be made whole. So here comes this man that had been in this condition for 38 years. Had to be brought, had to be, had to be, no doubt, carried in and sent on these porches. And he was waiting once again for the stirring of the water. And Jesus shows up, knowing that he had been in this shape for a long time. Notice that that's very important. That he had been in this shape for a very long time. And he asked one question Will you be made well? Now, the King James, I read that to you from the New King James. The King James actually says it like this. Will you be made whole? Now, that's the question I want to present to everybody in this room this morning. Will you be made whole? Now, I know some of you in this room think that you're all that in a bag of chips and everything is all together. But I got a challenge for you as we move into this new year. For every one of us to take a look at where we at. And make sure that we are walking in the wholeness of the Lord. What are you talking about, Pastor? Well, let's define the word whole. It simply means several things. So just hang on with me for a moment. It means to be healthy. It means to be healthy. Now listen, you may be sitting up in here this morning... But if you're living, please don't anybody be offended because I take medication as well. If, if we're living constantly on medication, then the problem is we're really not as healthy as we think we are. We're trying to be, but we're really not there or we wouldn't need that. Here's the second thing it means. It means to be well in body. I just really define it. I think you can be unhealthy in a lot of different ways. It also means to be true in doctrine to be true in doctrine it means to be sound which means solid and firm i believe we need to have a solid belief system we need to be solid not moved by every wind of doctrine not moved by every storm or every circumstance that comes along not moved by every time something bad may come my way because here's the thing as long as we're in this world those things are going to come but if I'm sound in my doctrine if I'm sound in my belief system I'm telling you I'm not going to be near as moved as I have let things move me before means to be whole so I had to look up the word whole in the dictionary. And it simply means this. It means to be all of or to be entire in an unbroken or undamaged state. In one piece, it means a thing that is complete. So my question for you is this morning. Are you willing or will you be made whole? I want to give some observations. Thank you, Miss Janet. I want to give some observations. I want to give some observations I found through this story. I've preached it. I've read it a number of times. I'm, this really isn't the, the crux of the message, but I want to use it as a launching pad. I want to give you seven or eight things here that I found in this story. Number one, it wasn't the first time he had an opportunity to be made whole. It wasn't the first time for any of them that came and was laid at that porch. Why? Because at a certain season, at a certain time, an angel would come and stir the water. And whoever would get in could be made well or be made whole. You see, I want to tell you, opportunities of wholeness are coming at us all the time. And a lot of times we're missing our opportunities or we're not recognizing them there. Here's the second thing that I want to 
observation I found. He's been in this way a long time. 38 years, the Bible declares he carried this. Whether he was that old, whether it was something from birth or something that came along that later. But for 38 years, he's been in condition. You know what that tells me? You can live your entire life in a broken condition, always wanting to change, but nothing ever transforming. And you get to the point of that if you live in it long enough, you embrace it that this is just my lot in life and this is the will of God for my life. Somebody told me the other night that I, they were amazed that I didn't use notes. Well, I use them all the time and I'm going to stay close to them today. Here's my third observation. Wholeness was God's will. No, let me say it differently. Wholeness is God's will. It is. How do you know that, Pastor? Well, the first thing, heaven wouldn't have stirred the water if it wasn't. The second reason being this, Jesus would have never come in and asked Him the question, will you be made whole if it isn't the will of the Father? Wholeness for you to be complete, for you to be entire, for you to lack nothing, for you to be healthy. Matter of fact, that word healthy that I used from the very start that word goes back to the root. If you take it back in the Hebrew and track it back, in the root of it, it simply means this. It means to increase. It means to enlarge. See, everything that, health, that is healthy reproduces, really. Every healthy thing reproduces in some form or fashion. It increases because that's what we're designed. That's what we're called to do. I want you to know this morning, it is the will of God for you to increase. It is the will of God for you, for you to enlarge. It is the will of God for you to be whole. Here's the fourth thing I want you to see about wholeness. It's your choice. It's your choice. Why would he said to him, will you be made whole? In other words, he came bringing wholeness, but he asked him a question. You realize that one moment of time, whether it was Jesus showed up or the stirring of the water, I thought about that story so many times. And, and I believe if I was that, remember his excuse was this. He said, every time I get ready to get in the water, somebody gets ahead of me. Well, I don't know about you, but if I knew that was happening and I really wanted wholeness, I wouldn't show up late. Hello. And I wouldn't have them put me in the back of the room because I didn't want to draw attention to myself. And I think if I had to have somebody carry me in, we're going to have some elbow throwing from the guys that are carrying because I'm going to say, get me as close to the water as I possibly can get. Matter of fact, I might even say, just go ahead and throw me in. I'll be ahead of the game. But instead he said, will you? Will you? You see, I don't care whatever area of life it is, whether it's physically, spiritually, whatever area of life, and I'm preaching to me more than anybody in this church. Believe me, I am. That whatever we want to do, a lot of times it's not that it's not the will of God. We've got to make a choice whether we're going to step into the will of God or I'm going to live like this the rest of my life. You were never meant to be broke, busted, and disgusted. You were never meant to limp. You were never meant, listen, to be haunt, blind or lame. You were never meant to be broken in heartache and despair. That is not how God designed and created any of us in this room. But the enemy has deceived us to buy into that lie to say, this is my lot in life. Here's my fifth question. Am I at five? I don't know where I'm at. He had to do something different. See, there's been a great fallacy, I think, in message. And I've tried to keep it balanced with sound doctrine. That because of the grace of God and God's goodness, it will just happen. You know, God's pursuing me. He's always pursuing me. God's always chasing me. 
But it doesn't just happen. And I think where we miss something was when we talk about grace, Paul taught grace under uh, in, in the book of Romans and gave us a great definition of what grace is, but we always compare it to the law. And yet Jesus come and He said something like this, I didn't come to do away with the law, I come to fulfill it. So you can't take away, you can't take grace beyond the law. But you have to understand why grace was needed with the law if Jesus fulfilled it. Because under the law where I would blow it and where I would fail and where I would sin against God, there may not be any hope for me ever stepping back into that blessing unless Jesus would come pay the price for me so that I could have that blessing. So when Jesus went to the cross, this is why Isaiah prophesied, He was wounded for your transgression, bruised for your iniquity, and the chastisement of your peace is upon Him. The punishment rests upon Jesus. So when the enemy comes and tells me that I blew it, that I'll never be able to get the blessing of God, I have to say to him, you're a liar, Jesus paid for it. But what did He pay for? He paid to give me the legal right to take claim to what has always been promised to me. Now he asked the man, will you be made whole? And the man makes this excuse. And then Jesus turns to him. Listen to what Jesus said. Take up your bed. Isn't that what he said? He said, rise up and take your bed and walk. Here's my next principle. You have to do something. You have to do something. There's an always, most of the time, 99% of the time, there's always an instruction with the promise of God or even with the blessing of God. I know I'm a preacher and I know you guys can say, oh, that's just preacher talk. Well, it's the Word of God. Go read it. There's an if and a will just about all the way through the Scripture. If you will do this, if you're willing to do this. Matter of fact, he said in Isaiah 1, if you're willing, he put both of them together. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Okay, you got to ask yourself a question. If you're not eating the good of the land, am I obedient? Hello? A lot of us are obedient to what we want to do, but not to the Word of God. We're obedient to our own heart. But pastor, I'm prospering. Are you? Are you really? Come on. He said, if you're going to be whole, if you're going to be complete, there's something you're going to have to do. Here's the last observation out of that story. Is you got to quit making excuses and blaming others for your predicament of life. First thing he said, he said, every time somebody gets ahead of me, Every time I have nobody to put me into the water. I want to tell you, we got to quit blaming somebody else for the place that we are in life. we got to quit making the excuses. Because the excuses will come. They will rob you. I want to declare to you this morning, first of all, church, that it is. I've already said it once, but I want to state it again. That it is the will of God that we live in complete wholeness before Him. Paul prayed it like this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And to really understand that verse, you'll have to go back to the book of Thessalonians and read as Paul is writing to the church because much persecution and trouble is coming. Jesus hasn't arrived. They, they've heard Jesus is coming, but He's not showed up yet. Many, no doubt, are questioning, wondering, is Jesus going to come? And then Paul goes on to say, he goes on in that chapter, he says, guys, guys, don't, don't neglect being corrected. Don't neglect being corrected. He goes on to say, hey, in everything rejoice. He goes on to say something like this. Pray without ceasing. He goes on and says something like this. Don't despise prophesying. And then he turns around and he makes that statement. I pray that God will preserve you. Will sanctify you wholly. Your whole spirit, soul and body. That you be preserved blameless before Him. The Message Bible reads it like this. 
May God Himself, the God who makes everything holy like Him and whole, make you holy and whole and put you together. I love that. May He put you together, both spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of the Master, Jesus Christ. We need to be made whole. We need to live in wholeness. You know why you need to live in wholeness? Because I want to tell you, anything else of that is stealing everything you got. It is stealing from you. You remember the story in the book of Luke. You can find it. I won't read it. But it's found in the book of Luke and also in the book of Matthew, I believe. There was a woman that had an issue of blood that suffered with it for 12 years. And the Bible said she sought many physicians. She spent everything that she could to get well and grew nothing better until she hears that Jesus is in the street. Let me tell you, <coughs> if you're not living whole, let me tell you what, what, what happened. The number 12 is the number of authority. If you're not living whole, something else has dominance over your life. Something else is a ruling force that's dictating what you do, where you go, how you live, how you wake up, how you lay down. Something else is dictating. It was for this lady. Twelve years she suffered like that. Not only, not only was it, not only was it controlling her, but now because she wasn't whole, her issue has become the focus. You ever know people that haven't home? They sing a song like this. Woe is me in agony and despair. However, that gloom, dark depression, excessive misery. That's their conversation. That's their life. That's their feeling. It's real. But they don't realize they're, they're broken. They're not living in the wholeness of the Lord. For this lady, her issue had become her focus of attention. It was now her life. As a pastor dealing with people all the time. See, I see people that live together, especially as they get older. And they live together and never get married properly under the word of the Lord. Because if I marry him or marry her, I'm going to lose my resource. I want to tell you something. That may be a real deal, but that is really a sense of brokenness. Because your, your trust and your focus is on the little that you're bringing in instead of realizing if I'm sitting under the blessing of God, my God has more than enough. Hello? Hello? Now for some of you, not many of us, maybe, maybe it's more than we realize. This thought hit me the other day. I was doing something, I don't know, it just rose up in me. If I'm looking to this world system, or I'm looking to a man to always provide for me, do you know what I'm going to get? I'm going to get leftovers and what they don't want. You need to hear that. If you're not looking to God and trusting God's ways, you are lifting in the leftovers of what somebody else has been eating on and no longer want, and they'll shove it off to you. You know the recent tragedy that hit Mayfield in the area in Kentucky as much as everybody run to help. You know what a lot of people did? A lot of people wanted to help, but this was a good time to clean out closets. So we took clothes out. You say, but pastor, there was a need. There was a need. It might be a right thing. might feel like a right thing. But their response was this. Let me go empty my closet of things that I don't wear. And this was happening all over the area and all over the nation. And bags, bag loads of clothes were being thrown in the bag. Some not even folded. Some not even washed. Some not even pressed. Was thrown. I, I get a chance to help somebody. It makes me feel good. But I'm going to help somebody now. And I'm going to throw out my goods. You say, Pastor, are you saying it's not right for me to give no, I'm not saying that. It's an attitude. It's an attitude. Matter of fact, one church, one church had so many clothes coming in like that, that the area didn't want them. 
They couldn't take them. They couldn't sift through them. So they began to burn them because not even Teen Challenge wanted them. And we live in somebody's leftovers. It's like a number of years ago. Y'all have heard me talk my blessings a lot. I'm not afraid to tell you how God has blessed me. Because it has been the Lord. I wanted a new vehicle. I actually wanted a new truck. And so I started looking for trucks. Man, they were nice trucks. Until I went and looked at the sticker price. They're still nice trucks. But man, that sticker was way up there. How many knows what I'm talking about? If you haven't looked at one, you don't know. But I'd look at a truck. Oh man, God, I, whoo, Lord, 50 something thousand dollars for a brand new truck. And I'm in here saying, oh God, I stand in the blessing of Abraham that I'm in your favor. I'm looking for a truck. And I'm asking God, God, provide me a truck. So I'd look at trucks. And one day I start, I, I went, me and Diane went to Paducah. I found a nice truck over there. But it wasn't new. It was black. Oh, it was nice, Matt. Big Ford, black, a lot of chrome. Man, it was nice. We got in it. She liked it. I drove it over to let my father-in-law look at it. Kind of, I guess, get a little bit of opinion and favor on it. And I don't know why men do this. First thing that he is, let's look under the hood. So he lifts up the hood. And I get up there. don't have a clue what I'm looking at other than the motor. It doesn't mean anything to me. But I laid my hands up like this, looking in. Yeah, that's a nice motor. It's clean. <laughs> no dust. Till I pulled my hands back. And I saw these smudges, Terry, where the oils of my skin was left on that black truck. And I thought, this ain't going to be fun. I'm not going to get a cloth and wipe my truck off every moment of every day because I touch it. And I just knew, okay, we're done with that truck. That ain't working. So I look in another place. So I'm praying. I'm looking and I start looking. You know, I just get me a late model used truck. But I'm saying, God, I want a new truck. And I'm looking in the used lot. And the Lord spoke to me as clear as I'm speaking to you. He said, you're not going to get a new truck looking in a used lot. And boy, that challenged my heart to say, God, I don't know how you're going to do this. But I know... That you can. I know that you can, Father. You see, if we're not careful, our brokenness will steal from us. And it will tell us what we can and what we cannot have. And we'll just have a focus upon, I'm broke, I'm poor, I can't do any of that. Look at where I'm at. And that's how we speak, that's how we talk. I'm under a curse. Nothing good ever happens to my life. And we live like that. Here's another observation from that story. It became, she became self-focused, but it was stealing her time, her energy, and her resources. See, you don't realize how much energy you are exerting in your despair. You don't realize how much energy you're paying out. Don't anybody misunderstand me. You ought to look at your interest rates on your credit cards that you're trying to live off of. I'm talking to me. Thank God for my wife. She keeps us sound. She works for this church and has kept the finances of this church sound. Hello? But if you look at it, hey, I'll go get this here, not realizing I'm getting ready to pay 25% interest. If I'm late, then not only am I going to pay 25% interest, they're going to tag another 30, 40, 50 bucks on top of that. You see, it's stealing from me. And then when I get that card and I, that bill and I can't see it, boy, you talk about stealing my resource. You talk about stealing my energy. It's stealing my joy. See, I want to tell you, it's a thief if you're not whole. That's just not in your finances. That's in every area of your life. 
I believe there's five, er five areas, real quickly, I've got to land this jet on, that I'm going to give you, that I'm going to challenge all of us in this room to be holy in, in this year. Five areas that I believe we've got to work on. Five areas that we've got to look at. Here's the first one. We need to be whole physically. We need to be whole physically. We need to pursue wholeness like we have never pursued it before. You know, if you talk to most ministries that have a prayer line, that have people call and request, there are two top of all of them requests that come in. And number one is usually, will you pray for us physically? Never before have we been in a time of history where a pandemic has hit our nation and literally stayed as long as it has for two years. And every time I turn around as a pastor, I'm hearing somebody else that somebody else is sick. Will you pray for them? Facebook has re Facebook has blew up the last two years. Will you pray for my family member who was diagnosed with COVID? Will you pray for this person who has this? Will you pray for this person that has that? I'm here to tell you the first thing that Jesus wanted wholeness so much that when he started his earthly ministry, this is what it says in Matthew chapter 9. And Jesus went all into all the synagogues and the villages preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease. I'm not trying to put anybody in condemnation. That's not the intent. I'm just trying to get us not satisfied living the way we've been living. I'm... <coughs> I'm going to pursue the Lord. I'm going to stand in what God said I could stand in. It may be a fight. It may be a battle. It may not manifest today. But if God said this is the way I'm supposed to be, then that's how I'm supposed to live. That's really the fight that I need to be having. The fight of faith to lay hold upon the promise of God. Isaiah prophesied it hundreds of years before Jesus ever came, Isaiah 53 verse 5, I quoted it a while ago. He was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace is upon Him. And everybody say it with me. With His stripes we are healed. Past tense. He's not taking another stripe. Hello? It's already done. So if it's already done, maybe it's waiting upon a response from me. I know. I know the enemy's sitting there bringing condemnation before the message is ever done. That's his job, to despair and to bring a place of discouragement to you and convince you it must not be the will of God. Let me get in the second area with you. We need wholeness in relationships. Wholeness. In relationships. I believe in our marriages. I believe in our friendships. I believe in our church relationships. Please hear what I'm going to tell you. There was none of us ever meant to do this Christian life alone. And if you're trying to do it alone, you're going to fail. But pastor, I'm an extrovert. No, an introvert. That's it. I'm an introvert. Sorry. I stink at outside. I'm an introvert. I, I, don't, I don't care. You have to understand, you may be. You may be, but you better bring that through the cross. Because you're an introvert or an extrovert still doesn't mean you have it all together. Because we've come from a fallen nature that we have to bring everything back through the cross. See, we bought into the lie. This is just my personality. I don't care how good you are, how bad you are, or what you think you're... If you don't bring it through the cross, you're going to use your personality wrong. Because we were never meant to do life alone. Matter of fact, the first thing that God did with Adam, or Adam realized it, I think God was allowing Adam to see it for himself. Or God would have started it with him. But God... There were two things that happened in the garden I haven't thought about to right now. Two things. First of all, when God showed up in the garden, when Adam sinned, the Bible said, and the voice of the Lord walked in the cool of the day. 
Why did he say it that? Why didn't he just say God showed up in the cool of the day? Because God was wanting you and I to know that even when you and I don't see him, we need to know his voice. And know that he's there. Here's the second thing. That Adam, when Adam said, hey, you let me call every one of these animals by name. And I see that monkey over there. There's two of them. A male and a female. And there's this over here. Hey, what about me? And I believe God was saying something to Adam. I want you to recognize that you can't fulfill the purpose that I put in you to be healthy, to be fruitful, to increase and multiply. You cannot do it alone. You need a healthy relationship. You need one like you. In this new season, some of you need to exit, not out of a marriage. But you need to exit some friends that have not been good for you. Or you need to work on that relationship of where you will walk with Him. And where you won't walk with Him. We need each other. Matter of fact, the Bible says this in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 or chapter 2 verse 21. Can you throw that up there for me? Miss Joe, I believe it is. It says, in whom the whole body, the whole building being fitly, being fitted together grows up into a holy temple in the Lord. You know, a song came out a number of years ago. That's a big lie. Me and Jesus, we got our own thing going. Me, hello, that's what some of you are doing at home. Me and Jesus. Some of you are doing it in here. Hello, you're doing it in here. You won't fit in. You never show up. You don't get involved. You don't crawl into people's lives. I don't care how. Oh, but pastor, you don't know what God has revealed. I'm sorry. We are fitted together. Unto a holy temple unto the Lord. Hello. Are you okay? We got to be whole as a church. Here's another verse. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 16. He talked about the fivefold ministry gifts. And how they were given. From whom the whole body joined and knit together. By what every joint supplies. Every one of you carrying a supply for somebody else. Every one of you are carrying a supply for a kingdom purpose. You may not feel like it's much, but everybody in this room is carrying a supply. There may be a time, let's use Miss Sherry right now. She's the one going through the issue. She's the one that, that is going through the, the treatments. And her body is kind of being weakened in a sense. But she needs us to add our faith to her. I, I, I wondered about this verse. It says, if any sick is among you, let them call for the elders of the church. I thought about that years ago. I, I, I think God gave me an understanding of that scripture for me. Because I don't, very seldom do I get sick. But one year I got bronchitis. And I mean, that thing threw us down. I didn't feel like praying. I don't know that I could muster. The faith. It, didn't, it wasn't a fact that I couldn't believe or didn't believe. I just didn't feel like believing. And at that moment, I needed somebody to bring a supply of their faith to add to me. You may not feel like you got much if I brought a bucket up here. It's not equal giving. It's equal sacrifice. If you bring your little, you bring your little, you bring your little, you bring your little. Before long, we're going to have more than what we realized we had. You know, a flood, a flood comes one drop at a time. They announced that the other day. Get ready for the Heartland area. Show, we've been watching, y'all have. You know, a big snowstorm, Miss Amanda. She's been begging for one. It comes one flake at a time. Man, we got 10 inches of snow. Boy, it's a good thing God didn't drop it as a snowball. But one, one flake at a time. I'm here to tell you. 
you're going to walk in wholeness and complete victory. You cannot walk this thing alone. And listen, I want to say something to Christ Church. That's not just talking about us in here. I believe it's talking about us working with the other churches in our city and region. I need them whether I agree with everything they do or it's my style or whatever. I need to be in a healthy relationship. And this year, I'm determined that we're going to do that. I'm purposing that we're going to do that. Here's the, here's the third thing. i got to get this jet down. Miss, miss whatever your name is, come. Most importantly, most important, putting it right in the middle, you've got to be whole spiritually. You got to be whole spiritually. Church, I believe it's time that we quit living on the edge, that we quit living the fringe. We quit saying we are and we become. We quit acting like it to all those around us and we live totally something different. I believe it's time. It's like Joshua said in Joshua 24, verse 15. He said this when they've come to the brink of taking hold of all the promises of God, Joshua stands before his leaders as he has designated to them and said, this is what God has for you. And he speaks to them like this, don't you take on the gods of this land. But he said, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. Church, we got to make up our mind. We got many even in the church shows up once in a while. Sorry. I'm not trying to get heavy. I'm not trying to step on toes. I'm just trying to declare wholeness to you. But pastor, I love the Lord. Then show it. If you love the Lord, you're going to obey obey Him. That's what Jesus said. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. In the book of Matthew, chapter 16, Jesus says this, verse 24, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Man, that's heavy. What do you mean, let him deny himself? Your wishes, your wants, what you want to do? And say that Jesus is the most important thing under the Son of Heaven? Our programs... Outside, inside, our medications, everything has taken preeminence over the first one that we should look to in every area of our life. He said, let him deny himself. Let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross. Matter of fact, he's saying, I want you to crucify in a sense. Listen, this isn't about works. He's just saying, I've already paid the price for you. But I want you to let go. Let me read it to you in the Passion Translation. It says, if you truly want to follow me, you should at once completely reject and disown your own life. And you must be willing to share my cross and experience it as you grow, as as you own, as your own, as you continually surrender to my ways. Pastor, I'm under grace. Yeah, you may be under grace, but remember that guy lived 38 years always wanting everything God had, but never got to it. Never come to it. Acts 2.38, you've heard it like this. It says, repent, every one of you, be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That has become such a controversial uh, verse a lot of times in Pentecost, among Pentecostal doctrines. And it was never meant to be a formula for baptism. But this is what it was meant to be. He was telling all of us, it's time for you to turn from where you're going and turn towards God and completely sell out to Him. You're His. You're His. Spiritually has to be first and foremost. Here's the fourth one. I got to get this jet down. Please give me just a few more moments. We need wholeness financially. You know, I said earlier, two main questions come when, when ministries have prayer lines. I need, I need healing in my body. Here's the second one. And they're pretty close. If not, I don't know, maybe determine the time of year when they fall. Will you pray for me? I need finances. 
Every one of us in this room need finances. Listen, may I tell you something? You're going to have to have finances to live. And God gave us a plan of how to live. And man was going to live, one, by the labor of his hand. Whatever you put your hand to, I'll prosper. That's what he said. We've bought into a world system a lot has that says the government's going to send me another check. I'm not telling you to turn it away. But I'm telling you it's not what God intended for you to live. And the thief. Let me be political for a moment, okay? Because you really need to pay attention to what's happening. Our history for two years now is being torn down all over our nation. Our history, our monuments of what was our history. And I know some of you it was offensive, but it was talking about slavery. We're going to get rid of that. That was abhorrent. That should have never been. You're right. It was never the plan of God for any man, in spite of what color he is, for a man to live as a slave. So our system is tearing down our history. Because if you don't know what your history is, and you're still living by the system, may I tell you where it's going to take you? And it's working ever so slowly and subtly to take you back to the place of slavery that you have abhorred. That's what socialism and communism will do. And that is what the government system is trying to push forward in America. Get upset with me if you want. I'm trying to keep you free and trying to keep you in the blessing of God. And we, the church, must rise up and say, wait a minute, enough is enough! But more than that, I'm going to have to live by the plan of God. He said this. He said this, 3 John, little John, 3 John, next to Revelation, verse 2. I would above all things that you be in health and prosper. It is the will of God for you. And if you're prospering, thank God. God never meant for anybody to be broke and go without. But remember, He had a pattern. He had a plan. Matter of fact, from the first of the garden, He plants a garden. He gives Him seed. He said, Adam, I'm going to give you seed that if you'll take it and plant it, it'll grow and bring you a harvest. One seed produces, I, can't, I just got to use it like this. Most of us see the seed, or we see the need and don't see the need. Or see the seed. Because all we can see is the need. But I don't realize that one little seed that I can't even hardly look at is bringing me a bag of apples or a bag of oranges are bringing me lunch this afternoon from one little seed. Matter of fact, he says something like this, as a man soweth, so shall he reap. As he that soweth sparingly shall reap. There's a farmer over there. i got several in the house. They know the principle of seeds. That cat over there drives this big semi-truck carrying, carrying the harvest. He's not just carrying seed. He's carrying the harvest of His seed. In a semi-truck. Not just one or two of them. I don't know how many loads He carries. Same thing with Mr. Jerry and Miss Judy. Same thing with some of the rest of the farmers in the building. But if they just put out one seed, He wouldn't need a semi-truck. He'd probably put it in His pockets. He's got enough pockets on that jacket He could stick all those ears of corn. Looked like a scarecrow, but he's carrying it to market. But he that soweth sparingly shall reap. Listen to this verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, or chapter 9, verse 8, I believe it is. It says this, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you will have a sufficiency in all things, may abound unto every good work. How many times have you ever said this? I sure wish I could help. You know, if you want to be a blessing, to be blessed means you have the ability to, to help. Really to help somebody else. But if you're broke, busted, and disgusted, you have nothing to give. That's not the will of God. 
He said in Psalms 112, Blessed is the man that fears the Lord, that delights greatly in his commandments. I love this. I quote this over my family and declare it all the time. He says this, And wealth and riches will be in his house. God doesn't have a problem with his people having things. Matter of fact, we ought to be the most prosperous people on the planet. But we get upset when people come in. Well, that pastor, all he wants is money. He wears a Rolex watch and drives a Mercedes car. Why not? My Father in heaven lives in a mansion. My Father in heaven has streets of gold. He's got a crystal sea, pearly gates. And you mean my Father wants me to live in a beat-up old rattle trap with bald tires on it? That's not my Father. We don't even recognize our Father. He wants you to have the best. But because we're broken, we accept less. Got to get, let me land a jet here. Here's the last one. Are you okay? Look at somebody. Say, we're going to be whole this year. This is a big one. This is it. This is it. I promise you, right here. We got to be whole emotionally. We got to be whole emotionally. You'd be surprised how many people live in hurt, disappointment. They live with damaged and bruised emotions. They live in rejection. And it's all in their emotion. Believe it or not, God gave them to us. But we live in there and they're, they're broke. I hear people as a pastor, I've had to counsel couples over the years. I don't love him no more. I don't feel, this is how we talk, I don't feel that love. You know why? Because they're operating out, out of a hurt. They're moving out of a disappointment. They're moving out of being rejected somehow. They feel that way. And many of us in this room, we, we live in this place of comparing ourselves constantly to somebody. If I just looked like this, if I just acted, if I could just be as handsome as pastor, if I could just be as... Why are you laughing? I don't know what's up with that. Now I'm hurt. Y'all pray for me. But that's how we live. Why do we live that way? Because we're broken. Pastor, I think I finally understood after all these years of preaching what God told Adam in the very beginning when He said, if you eat of that tree of good and evil, if you eat of it, you're going to die. I believe Ben, I believe when he was talking about that tree, because I thought about it, knowing good and evil, man was never to know anything but peace and joy and fulfillment. But the moment he ate, he messed his emotions up. And what he knew as good and evil was not necessarily found throughout the earth. It was his emotions that now become tainted. That he couldn't live in the place. How do you know, Pastor? How do you know? Because the first emotion that it expresses he found after he fell was fear. The second emotion was this. He felt insecure. So he started covering himself up. And not only did he say to himself, cover up, he told that beautiful woman, cover yourself up and please men, don't anybody be offended. And I know I got young ears in here, but there ain't nothing that a man wants more than to see a naked woman. And he's telling her to cover up because of his own insecurity. I can't let you see me. I don't measure up no more. I, I, I'm not. Y'all got real quiet on that one. But it's truth. Why do you think pornography is such a big deal? Why do you think there's so much trouble in homes? Why do you think women feel so... But I, I don't want you to look at me. I, I turn off the light. Because our emotions... I'm, I'm just telling you as God's been revealing to me. Our emotions have been messed up. Jesus said like this in this world. He said offenses are going to come. And He said this 
Matthew 18, verse 7, he says, Woe to the world because of offenses. For offenses must come because sin is in the world. Why must it come? Because there's sin in the world. But then listen to what he says. But woe to that man by whom the offense comes. Why did Jesus speak that that way? Woe to that man. Because of what it does to the person that just got offended. It causes them. Listen to what he said. If anyone causes even a little one to sin, it would be better that a millstone be tied around his neck and he's thrown into the sea. What do you mean causes him to sin? To miss the mark of whom they are supposed to be. And many of us have lived in that place of sin. We've lived in that place. I've missed the mark. I've lived in that place of offense. And I don't even realize that my emotions need to be mended. Put back together. Our world is filled with it now. I know I've got individuals in here. Please, I'm not directing anything at anyone. At, any, at all. Please don't take it that way. If you walk out of here, you've got the problem, not me. But our world is suffering with mental disorders like we have never had before. Mental illnesses that are real. These emotions, they are real. They're real. They're real feelings. They're there gender identities that we've never ever thought we would be dealing with that you have to convince a, a little boy that he is a boy or a little girl they're a girl we're dealing with this because of the craziness in the world we're dealing with post traumatic stress disorders on every level listen church we need wholeness we need wholeness Jesus put us back together. But may I say to you, you can't cast out a hurt. You can't cast out the offense. You can't cast out the disappointment. I wish we could, but you can't cast it out. What do you do? You got to come to a point. Say, I'm choosing to follow you, God, and I'm going to let this go. So that you can heal my heart. 38 years this man lived. This way. Hoping that someday something's going to change. And it never did. Year after year he kept coming back. That's the way it is for a lot of us in this room. I'm, I'm hoping that I'm going to hit the lottery this year. Then I'll get my new home. I hope... I hope that COVID goes away so I don't have to live in fear. I don't have to get sick again. I hope the right man or the right woman comes into my life that I feel complete. I hope, and we're always hoping, but never obtaining. But God is calling us to wholeness. There's some of you in this room this morning there's a call of God on your life and you know it. You know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. But you don't know what to do with it. You're afraid that if you step out, you're going to miss it. You're afraid that you're afraid of what people are going to think. You're afraid. Fear has so gripped you. God is saying to you, I know, I could put my hands on some of you this morning. God's been talking to me about you. I've been awakened in the night, laying in my bed, praying for you, calling your name. God, stir their spirit. God is saying it's time for you to step out of that place and step up and finally just say, God, I don't know how to do it, but if you called me, I'll follow you. If you called me and you show me, I'll go with you. Even if it makes a fool out of me, God, I'll, I'll be a fool for you. I want you to stand to your feet with me this morning. Just worship team, just, just let her play if you don't mind. I just want Janet to play. I want it soft. I don't want any distractions, song or anything else. Please, thank you. Because I want us this morning. Come, if you need to leave, it's 1140. 
I've preached, but I know that I've given you God's Word this morning. I know I have. That this is the time to be whole. And Jesus is stepping by again. And He's saying, wholeness is yours. You don't have to continue the way you're going any longer. This could be your life-changing moment for everything in your life. If you're willing, the question is, will you? That was His question. Will you be made whole? Are we going to go through another year? I'm preaching to Zach. Am I going to go through another year saying, I hope we get there? Or am I willing to pick up my bed and walk? I can't do it the same way. See, that's our problem. We've got comfortable in the bed. And Jesus said, pick up your bed time to get rid of it. You're going to walk. We keep calling blind Bartimaeus blind. But he's not blind any longer. He had one encounter with Jesus that transformed him, but something had to happen that day because he had to let one part of his clothing go. He had to let that beggar's cloak go. And say, I won't pick you back up. And I won't allow you to call me blind no more. Because I'm not going to live like I'm blind. I'm not going to live on the side of the road any longer. My question is for you. Will you be made whole? My first call to this altar this morning is. Again, I want to release you. I'd, I'd rather you just move on if you're ready to go. Than to disturb what Holy Spirit is doing. Because this is a life changing moment for somebody. So I'm going to give you a moment. Nobody will feel bad at you. I got Christmas happening to do at my house this afternoon. My grandkids are waiting. But nothing more important right now than what God wants to do in your life. If you're here and say, Pastor, I'm the one you're talking about that feels that call. I felt it for a long time. I felt it since I was a child. I knew there was something, but every time I feel a stirring, something, whatever, I just can't seem to get through. If that's you, this is what I want you to do. I want you to make your way to the altar right now without hesitation. Just come. Just come.